improving the health of our community through compassion and excellence in healthcare services. Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital brings you another informational podcast. It's Your Health Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. Low back pain can be debilitating and keep you from taking part in the activities that you enjoy. When back pain begins to interfere with your daily life, it might be time to see a physician to assess your pain. My guest today is Dr. Param Yashar. He's a neurosurgeon and a member of the medical staff at Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital. Welcome to the show, Dr. Yashar. So what are some of the most common causes of back pain? Uh, there's a significant number of causes, which is why sometimes back pain is hard to diagnose, hard to treat. Uh, some of those causes include muscle spasm, uh, muscle tension or muscle strain, uh, arthritis in the back can affect uh, and cause back pain, such as uh, facet disease. Uh, disc herniations can lead to compression of nerves, often contributing to back pain. You can also get fractures in the spine, such as compression fractures. Those can be due to trauma. Those can be due to uh, even um, neoplasms or uh, cancers. Those can also be due to just the degeneration over time. Um, and even from osteoporosis as well. So if people suffer from low back pain, and so many people do, and some it can keep you from going to work, and if you're somebody who has never had back pain, you can't really understand that level of pain that exists sometimes. What do you tell people is the first best bit of advice to do for their own backs if they start to feel that aching, nagging lower back? The most important thing is to try to minimize an aggravating cause. So if there's just a particular emotion or a particular uh, position that tends to make their pain worse, they should try to minimize that pain uh, or that position. Uh, one other option they can take, uh, at least in the early stages of patients with back pain, is just over-the-counter medications such as Tylenol or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications such as Aleve, Motrin, Advil, Ibuprofen, uh, things of that sort. And and are you somebody who recommends ice or heat if somebody has low back pain? Uh, we actually recommend both. For some, ice tends to work better. For others, heat works better. Um, certainly, uh, you don't want to keep uh, an, an ice compact or a compress on uh, your back more than uh, 10 or 15 minutes at a time. Uh, but you can even alternate between hot and cold therapies. Other uh, things that can help are uh, other what we call conservative remedies, such as uh, uh, chiropractic manipulations if they have a good experience or a good relationship with a chiropractor, acupuncture, acupressure, uh, massage therapy, and even uh, hydrotherapy or aquatic uh, therapy. That's all really great advice. Now, how about diagnosing lower back pain when it gets to the point where it's really something you've seen a chiropractor, you've tried massage and stretching and ice or heat, then what? How do you diagnose what's going on in their back, whether it's nerve involved or disc involved or a combination of all of those things? Uh, Two main methods we use to diagnose are one, uh, the clinical history of the patient, uh, along with a neurological exam. Um, the other is uh, imaging studies. So depending on uh, the description of their pain, whether it is worse with standing, worse with walking, perhaps uh, alleviated if they lay down or worse if they sit down, um, depending on the description of the pain, does it radiate down their leg, either the back side of the leg or the lateral or uh, side of their leg, um, that is very helpful to uh, determine uh, 
different types of uh, or different causes of back pain. Uh, the next step that's also uh, that we take into consideration along with the clinical history and the physical examination of the patient is to uh, uh, perform some sort of imaging study. A, a good initial study is uh, upright x-rays with flexion extension views. That can give us some basic information about the alignment of the spine, whether there are signs of degeneration of the spine, uh, other signs of bone spurs, or even uh, signs of an old or perhaps a new compression fracture or a change in the uh, uh, bone structure? Does it look like they have osteoporosis or is that at least suggested by their x-rays? Um, when it comes to looking at the soft tissues of the spine other than the bone, uh, specifically what we mean are the nerves, disc herniations, uh, and looking uh, taking a closer look at the joints. In those cases, an MRI is even more helpful. So then let's talk about some non-surgical treatments first. And you mentioned non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. And when does it get to where you might use, you know, an opioid or a, a narcotic pain medication, also back braces? And then when does it get to epidural steroid injections? And how often can someone get one of those? Absolutely. They're all uh, great questions and great points uh, you're making. Um the best initial, as I mentioned, the best initial kind of uh, starting point for medication are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications. Uh, not only do they provide a pain effect or an analgesic effect, uh, they also uh, diminish inflammation over time. Um, they're not as strong in terms of anti-inflammatory um, uh, properties as steroid medications. Uh, but fortunately, they, they also do not have the side effects that steroid medications uh, uh, have. Um, narcotics are good, are good specifically when the pain is so severe uh, that it becomes intolerable. Um, the problem with narcotics is, number one, they can be very, very habit-forming. And number two, they don't provide any anti-inflammatory effects. So uh, they typically either dull the pain, and when the medication is worn off, the pain comes back, often just as severe uh, as it started. The third problem with narcotics is uh, goes hand-in-hand hand with the fact that they become habit-forming is that patients can build a tolerance to these medications. So when patients take narcotic medications for a, a, an extended uh, period of time, uh, those medications can uh, have less and less of an effect uh, over time for the patient unfortunately, making them require more and more or higher doses of these medications. When uh, pain uh, medications are not enough, uh, the next step is kind of a, a variety of uh, management strategies, some of which we already discussed, uh, but we refer patients to uh, physical therapy. Uh, physical therapy provides patients with an opportunity to strengthen uh, the support, especially the muscle structure around the spine, uh, and that includes a core strengthening technique. Around the spine, including the abdominal muscles, are many muscles supporting the spine. Uh, there are uh, uh, muscles both uh, posterior to the spine, so ones that you can just feel by pressing on your back themselves. Uh, and there are also muscles on the inside that you cannot see, such as the iliopsoas muscle. The stronger these muscles are, and the more support they provide to the spine, so that the spine itself feels less stressed over time. Um, but just like any workout routine or any workout regimen, uh, you know, the best example I give to patients is if you want to get a six-pack, it's not going to happen overnight. 
even if you do a thousand sit-ups. Um, so physical therapy takes time. We typically recommend patients uh, try physical therapy techniques and core strengthening techniques for about two to three months to uh, to determine whether this has gradually alleviated uh, some of their pain. Uh, we'll also often refer patients to a pain management specialist specifically for uh, two purposes. One, uh, to discuss a pain uh, pain regimen, to discuss what medications we provide them with the relief that they need. Especially when patients have other medications, we also want to minimize the interaction of certain medications with others. Um, and lastly, the pain management specialist may also discuss with them performing an epidural steroid injection. Now, similar to uh, uh, labor and delivery um, uses, epidural steroid injection uh, is an injection of medication, specifically a steroid medication and sometimes a steroid with a local anesthetic injected into what's called the epidural state. Uh, this is the space in the spinal canal that sits on top of the uh, thick membrane or thick tissue surrounding the nerves, which is called the dura. The epidural comes from the term epi, which means on top of, and dura, which is that thick membrane. Um, so in labor and delivery, a catheter is placed in that location. Uh, for pain management specialists, a needle is just temporarily placed while an injection of medication is performed. The goal of the uh, epidural steroid injection is to lower the inflammation on the nerves over time. The local anesthetic provides a more immediate relief. Um, in terms of how often these injections can be done, uh, chronic steroid use, uh, as I mentioned, has its own set of side effects. So we try to space out epidural injections at least a few months apart. Uh, most pain management specialists uh, will do them perhaps every three months if needed, um, but typically not on a monthly or, uh, or a uh, bi-monthly basis. Um, for those patients who do have relief, sometimes an epidural steroid injection uh, can last either days, weeks, or months, um, sometimes even longer. Uh, the nice benefit of the epidural is that if it, it can give patients even temporary relief for a few weeks, uh, that may allow them enough relief to perform physical therapy, and over time, hopefully the physical therapy exercises can strengthen their spine and their core, gradually leading to less pain or certainly an improvement of their pain. And when does it become surgical? When is surgical intervention something that you would discuss with the patient? And what do you tell them about the need for back surgery? So many people are afraid when they hear that word surgery in their back. You're a neurosurgeon. And so what do you tell them about this need that surgery might possibly be something that's indicated? What do you tell them? Mm -hmm. uh, surgery is reserved for patients who uh, fail conservative or non-surgical therapies. Uh, the other uh, subset of patients are patients who have such severe symptoms, such as neurological deficit, where the waiting of time with conservative therapies may actually be more harmful than beneficial. Um, now, surgery only applies for patients uh, where we have a structural or a uh, identifying cause of their pain, and therefore we can address that through a surgical route. One of the challenges in medicine, not just in spine surgery, is we don't have any studies that uh, tell us exactly where pain is generated. We have studies and procedures and tests that provide us with support, and identify what the anatomy of patients looks like. That includes ultrasound, x-rays, CAT scans, MRIs. But unfortunately, none of these studies 
actually locate a cause or direct uh, pinpoint uh, the location of pain. It's based on our experience, based on our understanding of anatomy, that we can try to uh, determine, based on the patient's anatomy, where their pain may be originating. Uh, in those cases where we do identify a structural cause, such as uh, a prime example would be a disc herniation compressing a nerve uh, that is easily visualized on an MRI, uh, we can try conservative therapies. We can discuss with the patient uh, how bad is their pain. Um, do they want to try an epidural steroid injection? Do they want to try physical therapy? If they get to the point, unfortunately, that these conservative therapies are no longer beneficial, or perhaps even worse, if their pain is uh, progressing despite these therapies, then surgical options can be discussed, uh, considered, and, uh, and even scheduled if necessary. So, Dr. Yashar, wrap it up for us with your best advice about hopefully preventing low back pain in the first place and what you tell people every single day about keeping a strong back. There are several things they can do to try to minimize their risk uh, of developing pain. Unfortunately, about 90 or 95% of Americans will experience back pain at some point during their lives. So it's a pretty common and very, very debilitating uh, problem. Some of the best things that you can do are regular exercise. Obviously, I would recommend consulting with your own physician uh, about your ability to tolerate exercise, uh, whether there's concerns for your heart and from your lungs and uh, from your general medical uh, care and, and that perspective. Um, it's, also, uh, it's also important to, uh, to perform activities uh, with good posture. You never want to bend over and pick up an object by using your back alone. Using your knees and uh, bending down with your knees is, is much better. Um, for those patients who are in the gym exercising, um, actually standing upright is much better for your back uh, or even laying down, such as during the bench press, for example. Uh, but it's always important to perform exercises uh, with a good technique and good form. You don't want to, uh, to put unnecessary stress on other parts of your body uh, just because you want to maximize the amount of weight that you're lifting. Uh, also uh, in line with that is uh, when doing exercises, sitting down, that actually puts a little bit more stress on your lower lumbar spine, uh, which can potentially, uh, potentially aggravate a pre-existing condition, such as a disc bulge, uh, or even uh, further um, uh, cause a disc herniation or disc protrusion um, those are some of the most important things I can mention. Uh, there, there isn't any specific thing that's going to prevent back pain. I say this uh, a little bit in jest, but if you never want to have back pain, I would say never get out of bed. Unfortunately, uh, we do stand up, we do walk, we do work, while we do uh, perform activities and exercises. Uh, and over time, our backs will degenerate somewhat. Uh, but hopefully with good practices, hopefully with uh, good posture, good form and technique, we can try to minimize uh, how bad that pain is uh, over time or during our lifetime. Thank you so much, Dr. Yashar. It's really great information. You're listening to It's Your Health Radio with Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital. And for more information, you can go to henrymayo.com. That's henrymayo.com. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.